Greetings and welcome to the Bomb Squad Podcast. I am your host, Tim M. Sullivan, and today I have... I'm Joseph Vranick. I'm Austin Zwiebelman. I'm Andy Compton. Yes, we, we've once again brought Andy Compton onto the show as our special guest. I'm back. <laughs> Feels good. Hell yeah. Today we are talking about a very special horror film, Sam Raimi's debut feature, the 1981 classic, The Evil Dead. I think this is a film that we all have somewhat of a history with. For our first question, let's talk a bit about our history with the film and also our history with the director, Sam Raimi. I want to dedicate this first question to our good friend, uh, Tanner Richard Kraft. He unfortunately could not be here today. On October 4th, he was assassinated by Mark Zuckerberg for destroying Facebook. He wanted to be on the podcast. He wanted to say that he loves Sam Raimi's work and his favorite films are the Spider-Man trilogy. And he thinks that Spider-Man 2 is a cinematic masterpiece. So with that being Mm. said, let's start with uh, Joe, your history with the Evil Dead and Sam Raimi. Oh boy. So, uh, so kind of like Tim, I also, in a previous video where we talk about a couple of shorts by Sam Raimi, I kind of talk about my history with Sam Raimi and a little bit about Evil Dead. You know what? I'll just actually talk about the first time that I saw the Evil Dead. Back in the early 2010s, when I was still in high school, I was getting into film, there was the Council Bluffs Public Library. And at that library, they had a vast collection of movies that I would rent. I think the max was like five movies that I could rent and I would have them for like two and a half, three weeks, something like that. Like they'd they'd give me a pretty long time to watch these. And the year 2011, I ventured to that library and was like, you know, I really like this Sam Raimi fella. And I heard that he directed these movies called The Evil Dead, which... I had heard, like, things about the Evil Dead. I heard they were really bloody, really gory, but also really fun. Like, I knew a lot of friends who were, like, really into the Evil Dead. So I picked up all three of them. I also picked up, and this is kind of also important, I picked up Peter Jackson's Dead Alive. And one night in my uh, grandma's basement, because that's where I watched all of these movies, was in my grandma's basement when my mom was at work. I had an entire day where I just watched Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, uh, Army of Darkness, and then Dead Alive. And then my mom came and picked me up. It was a very, very magical time for me because holy fucking <laughs> shit, those broke my fucking brain. <laughs> yeah. Brain dead, if you will. Exactly. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, Austin. This is more my story getting to Evil Dead than like my Sam Raimi history, because it's like there's two sides to that guy. There's the Sam Raimi that likes comic books and there's the Sam Raimi that likes scaring people. So uh, when I was younger, I was really into like film censorship. It was the first film study subject that I ever like fell in love with. I wanted to see anything that was messed up enough to get like an NC-17 or an X certificate. And if I was lucky, somebody would release stuff that had been cut by the studios. You know, I was following all that stuff. So one day I'm like 10. I'm making my way through the Wikipedia article of all the films that had an NC-17 or an X certificate. And I get to the very first Evil Dead. Then I'm I'm researching it. I learn what a video nasty is. I read the words about a tree that I never thought I'd read online. So people were saying that it was like the scariest movie ever. Like Eli Roth was coming out just like, yeah, when I was younger, this movie made me shit my pants. 
before I actually got around to seeing the original Evil Dead, uh, my dad had Charter on Demand, and that came with a free Showtime subscription. And with that, you got to see Evil Dead 2 on demand. And it was like sort of this like goofy, over-the-top movie. Yeah, it was scary. There were a lot of good jump scares. But I was thinking to myself, like, this one didn't get the X. This one didn't get the NC-17. So what if the original is just this heavy metal version of this? What if it's like more violent and, and messed up and none of the jokes? And what if it's nuts? What if it's like 16 millimeter snuff film? So I built up this idea of what the evil dead was in my mind. And then uh, eventually I got to see it. And it was just kind of like a lower budget version of evil dead Two. But I made sure that I watched it alone by myself at night in a room, as you do. So I, I actually gave it the college try. And interestingly, to draw it all back to like being a weird little kid watching all these NC-17 movies, it kind of has the inverse like climb throughout my life that my other favorite NC-17 from back then did, which was A Clockwork Orange. Because every year I appreciate the Evil Dead more and more because my grasp on like film production grows. And so how miraculous it is that that movie exists, just I appreciate it more over time. Whereas The Clockwork Orange, I like watching less and less every time because it's freaky sadism hits you harder as an adult. Yeah, uh, Evil Dead's something that I came around on over time, and I'm glad that we could revisit it today. That's my thoughts. Back to you, Tim. Awesome. Hmm. Uh, yeah, that actually uh, reminds me of some things that, uh, that I probably should have mentioned at the start. The Evil Dead is, I think it's the first NC-17 movie we've done on the podcast. Mm. We've done it. Uh, I think I read that it was like listed as the number one video nasty, and that's mostly because of it being like the most legitimately produced, I guess, uh, video nasty movie. Because a lot of them is just like stuff like Jungle Holocaust, Driller Killer, Death <laughs> Island. I think it's kind of interesting when you look at it from that kind of perspective. But yeah, Andy, uh, history with the Evil Dead. I saw this when I was pretty little, like when I was like between like. Eight and like 11 uh, I would go to Blockbuster all the time with my mom and my mom is a big horror fan so she would just let me rent like all the horror movies so I saw a lot of like really fucked up horror movies when I was really little and I loved them but I didn't really understand why I just knew that it was like a bad thing to be watching so like but I didn't know anything about like storytelling or film or anything I was like oh Freddy Krueger's cool and you know Jason's cool yeah, so I saw Evil Dead when I was a kid and I like thought it was cool and everything, but I really wasn't that into it the way I was like the Nightmare series and Halloween. But then later, much like what you were saying, Austin, nowadays when I watch it, I have the greatest appreciation for it because I really, really love classic horror movies that are clearly like the indiest of indie just made for nothing and like pure creativity on display and uh you know artistry if you want to go there you can just tell like to pull off those indies the way that you know john carpenter did or the way that you know sam raimi did clearly just a super talented person so yeah i started out watching it in the 90s late 90s very late 90s but um just getting it from Blockbuster. And I was telling Tim before the podcast, I've seen one and two. I've never seen Army of Darkness, but I have seen the remake. Yeah, just 90s Blockbuster nice. kid. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I do. I do really appreciate it on that, like super low budget indie level, because there's just like mm -hmm. all these stories I was reading about of just like injuries and 
people accidentally getting stabbed on set and like the the props that they used on the eyes were just like these contacts that were thick as glass but then at the end of it they have this really remarkable product that that I, i think pretty much all of them are proud of and i don't think it's one of those movies where the crew and the cast just like got completely fucked over i think it's something that they all look fondly back on today but yeah uh my my history Mm -hmm. with uh this film in particular i i didn't really get into horror until high school like at most i watched the first season of supernatural when it was airing and that was just like me dipping my toes into the horror water around sophomore year of high school i started getting the horror stuff more I think Evil Dead was one of those ones where I'd always seen the box at Blockbuster. I'd seen Army of Darkness before, and somehow like I knew that that was the third Evil Dead movie. So I was, I was interested, and like, I was 16 years old, around like summer 2009, I think I checked out uh, the Evil Dead movies. And the first time I watched it, I think I was expecting like it to be like fully horror comedy and it was a little bit different from what I was expecting. I've grown to appreciate the comedy in the first one more, particularly after seeing it at the Tivoli a couple of years ago, because that one got like a really good comedy response. I think there's like people really taking in the kind of absurdity of the humor. I think it's a more subtle humor than the Three Stooges stuff that they get into with Evil Dead 2 and then like really ham up on Army of Darkness which I, I do enjoy that, but I think I enjoy the first one a little bit more. I also like really yeah. just appreciate the cheapness of the effects. But yeah, that, that's basically how I came to first discover the Evil Dead movies. So let's talk about this movie. Joe. Okay, so um, yeah. I rewatched it for the first time in at least... I, I, I try to watch this movie at least like once every year. I, I watched it for the first time in a year earlier this morning and... I still like it. This movie, um, shocking, <laughs> shocking. Yes, shocking. <laughs> um, I think this movie still hold holds up in uh, in the best. Well, I don't want to say it holds up because, it's like, dated effects aside, it holds up, of course. But those dated effects in it are also still kind of part of its charm. Yeah. Um, this movie's a big old goofy camp fest. I mean, it takes it seriously when it absolutely has to, but then you see things like that moon in the background, which is clearly like a matte painting or some shit. It's like comically large. You can see like the shadow of the cameraman in a couple of instances. Well, there, there, there was one instance that I do remember being on, I think it was like the Anchor Bay release DVD that they wound up taking out of the Blu-ray for some reason, but they didn't take anything else out. The cameraman on the bridge shot? It's either the bridge shot or they're like driving up to the cabin. But it's like one of those shots, like you can clearly see, um, I think it's Rob Tappert just like hiding in the trees. They cut that out of the Blu-ray for some reason, but they kept every other flaw. I don't get it. I just think it's hilarious. They should have kept it. Um, see it all, warts and all. Exactly. Um, Because that's part of the fun is seeing some of the imperfections in this. Because Sam Raimi, I think, was like 22, 23 when he made this, which is fucking insane to me. Fucking Um, insane, yeah. Had uh, really no foot in the door as far as industry experience goes. Like, he was just a guy. And he just had friends that were like, yeah, let's, let's make a horror movie. And they just kind of do it for fun. 
and it very clearly shows that they that there was some fun, but also some suffering because the flips that Bruce Campbell has to do in this. Oh my god! Yeah. Overall, fun time, fun movie. All right, Austin. Thoughts on the film? Bruce Campbell gets wrecked by those bookcases, by those shelves. <laughs> yeah, that was that was crazier than anything I've seen in the Smash Bros. tournament. That guy was nuts. So last night I got yeah. to see the new 4K restoration from the 2018 oh, nice. scan, and it was very weird for me because I have thought of this as a widescreen movie for a very very long time because that's how I've seen it for a while now. You know, like growing up with VHS, you see all these like pan and scans and you're like, oh, I wish it was wide, like in the theaters. And then you get this new shiny like this is the Evil Dead straight from the 16 millimeter. And it's like square again. And you're like, "Ah, don't tell Sam Raimi because he specified you're supposed to see it blown up to 35 and 169 or whatever aspect ratio. But it was it was cool getting to see it the way it was like originally screened back when they were poor. Zack Snyder's very happy about that, Austin. <laughs> Zack Snyder's Evil Dead. <laughs> Just tainted, black and white. <laughs> Zack Snyder's Evil Dead is the whole trilogy as one four-hour movie. <laughs> Dude, the pace of this movie when I was watching it last night made me wonder, like, who's the genius in this pipeline? Like, either Sam Raimi was a visionary, or this was edited with the assistance of Satan, the Dark Lord himself. Because this is paced super well like it's got it's the opposite of the tree of life it's like the tree of death it is so quick and entertaining i was very surprised by how just like uh, in order this all was and how quickly it got to stuff some of the jump scares also felt like they used math like when demon scott wakes up there's like this shot where demon scott just appears i was so impressed because they are like bombarding us with all this loud stuff for such a very long time, all of like the third act, most of the second. And when that happened, I still let my guard down long enough to get scared. And I was like, man, props to you. That was good. Also, the stop motion stuff at the end was was like very impressive. Now that you're mm-hmm. like older and you figure like, how would you do that on Super 16 with a crew of like 13 or less people in a cabin with no sink? As we keep going forward, there's like sort of that thing around film school. Everyone eventually gets this bug where you think of movies like The Blair Witch Project and Paranormal Activity, like 2007. These movies that are made for like no budget. And then they reap these ridiculous returns when they get released. Everyone wants to be the next guy to make one of those. But it's, it's weird because Evil Dead is like the Raiders of the Lost Ark of that of that subgenre. Because you know what Paranormal Activity and Blair Witch couldn't do? They couldn't scale into a good franchise, right? Like, there's just so much more thought and dark magic that ended up in Evil Dead. Even though it's cheap, it still ended up being cinema. And I was happy I got to wa- like use this podcast as an excuse to watch it by myself in a dark room again because it kind of reminded me of being a kid. Except this time I used headphones because I'm a little bit more I'm a little bit more badass now, just a bit. Man, it fucking sucks. Yeah. Wow. yeah, nice. Uh, yeah, I actually kind of wanted to talk about the editing a little bit. Uh, this was edited by Edna Paul. Her assistant editors were Chris Innes, Bob Murawski, and a name that you might recognize, Joel Cohen of the Cohen Brothers. What? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Jews were near yeah. this. <laughs> yeah so so that that's just part of the magic uh we, we had the cohen magic uh going into this edit 
Uh, in the original? Yeah, yeah, one? in the original yeah. Evil Dead. That fucking blows my mind. I was going to say, Sam Raimi and the Coen brothers were friends, and at one point they were like roommates, where it was like him, Joel, Ethan, and uh, I want to say it was like Francis McDormand and Kathy Bates. They were all roommates at one point. That's insane. I'm like not going to be able to wrap my brain around that for a second. Yeah, Daniel ahead. Day Lewis worked at his local laundromat. It was so crazy. Everyone was just in Detroit at that time. Like I, I specifically remember when I was in the advanced ed and color class at Webster, Trevor was like talking about the pacing of the original Evil Dead and how like it's not paced like other 80s horror movies. It's like just insane pacing that just doesn't let up. Andy, what are your thoughts on the film? Yeah, so I I love this movie. I just think it's super charming. Again, I'm really big on like classic horror movies that were done for no money. And it's just like you were either creative enough to get it done to where it's going to be a classic or it's just going to be a forgotten movie that, you know, do you guys know the budget for this offhand? 375. Oh, wow. That's even more than I would have thought. But I mean, there's a fuck ton of practical effects and things like that. So it does make sense because I think like paranormal activities, like raw budget was like 15,000. Yeah. Or something like that. But he he already had his location and who knows what kind of gear they shot on. Maybe he owned that, too. It's because the the house they were shooting in California and paranormal activity. I'm like, well, this dude wasn't poor. You know, because a house like that in California, like, isn't super cheap, I right. imagine. So I don't know. I don't know what he, uh, I think Oren Pelly. Uh, I'm going to have him send a bank statement over for circuit 2007. <laughs> let me know. But no, uh, yeah, I love this movie. I think it's super charming. Like and with talking about how we kind of grow to appreciate certain movies, the older we get. For me, it's like the more like the more. I understand filmmaking, having been through school and just watching movies through a new lens now than I did growing up. Like growing up, I kind of thought, oh, that looks cheesy. And then now it's like, that's so fucking cool. They did all practical and it's so just over the top and gory and just like everything like a real horror fan wants out of a horror movie. It's like porn for like a horror fan who loves practical effects. I still think for my money... You know, we talk about the balance between horror and comedy in this movie, like how serious does it take itself in the very beginning? Whenever Ash finds that tape recording and starts playing it, that's like one of the spookiest things you can do for me in a horror movie is like just some like uh, some, you know, voice over a tape that you don't know where it came from. And it's unfolding this story that's getting a little more scary and a little more scary as it goes on. Uh, I love stuff like that. I think that's like the inciting incident of this movie, right? Is them reading the 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 curse or whatever the fuck. Uh, that's when things really take off. And like, yeah. I just love that whole sequence from like a no comedy, only horror standpoint. I just think that rules. I have all positive thoughts about this movie because when you know something was done at such an indie level and especially by such a young director debut, it's like you forgive all that other shit, like any mistakes or like you were saying with um the guy hiding in the trees, like don't remove that. And I think maybe us as filmmakers even feel more that way because it's like, oh, they fucked up, too. Like <laughs> we can all fuck up. But like if you're it doesn't matter if your movie is good enough, people will forgive it. And Evil Dead's kind of the perfect thing of like, guys, we didn't even take this that serious. So how can you? 
You know, it's right. almost like the thing of making fun of yourself so no one else can make fun of you, that defense mechanism. You can't rip on us because we already did that. Anyway, to sum all that up, I just think that for, you know, low budget debut feature of a young director and a probably all unknown actors, right? Yeah, we like one of them was in SAG. It just, it fucking rules whenever you think about this movie like that. Like, take all that context in. It's just such an achievement, in my opinion. And, I mean, look, we're still talking about it 40 years later. Uh, Yeah, awesome. I I have to say that this is, like, my favorite horror movie. And then I think part of it is just, like, it was one of those early ones that got me into the genre. Like, I'd seen a couple of horror movies before that, but then I saw this one, and this, like, really made me want to discover more stuff like that. And so I think that's part of what makes me love it as much as I do. That's how I am with uh, the first Nightmare on Elm Street. It'll always just hold that spot of being like, this was my gateway into horror. Exactly. And like Joe said, I, I... typically do an annual reviewing of the whole trilogy. I I did not uh, watch this movie in preparation for the podcast because I'm going to see it immediately after we finish recording. I'm going to see it at the uh, Fathom Events 40th anniversary screening, which is the uh, 4K restoration. I think it's the thing with the new score. I recall thinking some parts of the new score worked well and others I wasn't a huge fan of. Like, there were some audio things that sounded a little weird to me. And, like, they, they got rid of the Charleston. I can't forgive that. That, that oh. was the biggest fucking crime that they did, was getting yeah. rid of the Charleston. But other than that, like, I always enjoy watching it. I've, I've seen it in theaters twice. I'm about to see it in the theater for the third time. They were able to make this big, crazy movie on just such a shoestring budget with minimal experience like they were mostly just like ex-film students who had uh made a couple shorts and they made a proof of concept which we talked about in uh vidcast called within the woods which was made on 1600 bucks so this this was a big step up from that just like absolutely gigantic proportions in comparison to this like little 30 minute short that they made on like eight millimeter. And I I think it has just like a special little quality to it that you don't quite see in Evil Dead 2 or Army of Darkness. Although I do love those movies a lot. And I also Ash versus Evil Dead was one of the greatest things to happen to television stars. You fucked up. You should not have canceled that show. (laughs) Um, fucked up. I also really enjoyed the reboot. I saw it as sort of a love letter to the original trilogy. It was surprisingly entertaining on that level, I thought. This movie has a lot of heart to it. That decomposition scene at the very end is still like one of my favorite horror moments of all time. It's probably like my favorite ending of a horror movie. It, it, it's really like metal looking too. It's it's great. The camera effects, I'm really enjoy as well because they're just kind of using shit rigs on this film because they like can't afford fancy equipment so like they're doing the things that the film students do when they can't get the good equipment a lot of those shots that are the evil dead just kind of gliding through the woods they basically they rigged the camera to a piece of wood and had two cam ops just like running through the woods carrying this piece of wood with the camera on it. And then the final shot, they rigged the camera to a bicycle 
and rode it through the woods to get this like long take going up to ash through the cabin. Yeah, I like I I, lo- I love reading that like that's how they got that, but especially after like uh, when we made processing, which is a film to come out in the future. I basically had a camera on a tripod and we, we found a cart and used it as a dolly. And so I just mm-hmm. I just love hearing stories about filmmakers doing stuff like that. I think that's so cool. So, yeah, let's let's move on and talk about the practical effects. They're, they're a big part of what makes it special. Uh, the special effects artist on this film was one Tom Sullivan. No your relation. dad. <laughs> oh, your dad. It's my damn. Film. No. film royalty. Oh, wow. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I think he's like worked on a bunch of Raimi films. He did a lot of work to make the effects in this movie look awesome. So let's talk mm-hmm. about our thoughts on the special effects, Joe. Uh, practical effects of this. Um, kind, kind of like uh, the minor little things that you notice in the background. The uh, practical effects are part of its charm because on the one hand, my God, some of these look really good on the budget that they had. And on the other, oh, yeah, these kind of look rough, but it's kind of charming. I still think the uh, the most effective practical effect in the entire film, and it's arguably the gore shot that I've heard talked about the most, it's the pencil in the ankle. Yes. Um, <laughs> you want to talk about one of the fucking grossest, like, horror, like, attacks in any fucking horror movie ever it's like that's immediately one of the go-to's because that that shit you can kind of feel it it, it looks painful yeah. and you yeah you, you know it, what it feels like to have like parts of your foot injured so it it's hurts a, a lot. yeah it's a very very effective use of the practical effects and it's a very effective scare and then you go to another effect with that ankle which is like the stop motion uh drawings of the veins on uh on the foot when uh i think it's linda right becomes the demon Mm -hmm. um and it's like oh yeah that's that's definitely a stop motion effect but uh, it's kind of charming Oh, hey, her eyes are white. <laughs> I, I think there's a lot to really love about the practical effects. They're charming. They're fun. Hell yeah. Hell awesome. yeah. Hell yeah. Awesome. Oh, you got to say, really. Dudes, what if there was like a uh, like like a big like Avengers team of just the shittiest rigs ever assembled? You got like the wheelchair from The Shining. You got like the bike from this. You got the mystery vehicle used to get the last shot in a gear, the wrath of God. And it's just used to make the craziest, most dynamic film for $10. (laughs) One shot, I I guess I'm limited to one so that I don't like steal down the tree from Andy and Tim. But the dismemberment shot where they had the actor or actress, she was sitting under a board. She was like in the floor or something. And it was like her arm or her leg and her head were just there to just like, help me. I'm in pieces. Mm -hmm. And that just looks mm-hmm. that just looks nice. You got to admire dismemberment. The ankle thing hit a, hit a thing with me personally because when I was younger, I had this weird little fixation with Achilles tendon scenes because it was like a thing where from like the you know that that Eli Roth like torture porn era where mm-hmm. people just went nuts with this. It was like um, Hostel One has a really bad one, and uh, Kill mm-hmm. Bill Volume One has one. And so I, there was actually a Wikipedia article back in the day of films with the, like tendons getting messed up. I, I don't know why that resonates with people so bad, but we're all like Achilles deep down. We hate watching ankles get hurt. Dude, practical effect, I can't believe. They actually went to Tennessee. That's nuts. 
<laughs> wow. Um, also, yeah. The, Dedication. <laughs> It's it's also really weird hearing about how they uh, had to apply contacts. There was an applicator tool, like this crazy device you had to like put over someone's eye. And guess whose job it was to do that every single time to get those big things in people's eyes? Guess whose job? Tom Sullivan. Tim's dead. It was Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell oh. had to do that every time they had to put the white contacts in. They're like, oh, well, Bruce, you're the responsible one. You can put these <laughs> things in people's eyes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. To sum it up, sort of like. It's fake enough. Like, like Andy was saying, it's like, it's like, it's great for horror fans because it's fake enough that you're not going to be sick while you're watching it. If you're familiar with horror, right? Like I think about scenes of like, anyone ever seen the arm getting cut off in 127 hours or, or like the eye scene in hostel where it's like pushing the limits of how fun this is. Cause it's almost making you sick. Uh, Like you do. Mm -hmm. The great thing about evil dead is, Uh, If you're familiar with the genre at all, you don't feel like you're watching an autopsy. It's more like the world's coolest haunted house. That's what I like about the practical effects in this. All right. Uh, Andy. Uh, It's so funny that you were like, I'm only going to say one so I don't (laughs) impose on Andy. And I was going to say the dismemberment scene, too. But just like, I mean, I could say other shit, though. Like, uh, Tim, you talked about the stop motion stuff at the end. Like. Stop yeah. motion can look so cheesy now in 2021 when you look back on that being like a popular film technique that you don't really see anymore. But like, um, I just have such an appreciation for it because you guys probably saw that dumb video that I made for Webster. That's like yes. a stop motion thing with like just these little like cutout things. Dennis and Dougie is a masterpiece. <laughs> oh, thank you, dude. Yeah, it was a uh, 950 single images for a 90 second uh, video that doesn't look good. So it's like anytime people do stop motion at a really high level, I just have such an appreciation and can't wrap my head around like just how they did that because, you know, they could explain it to me and it would make sense. But like my the whole time, my head would just be like, you took that much time and effort to accomplish that. So that whole sequence at the end is really rad. So much of the stuff in this movie is so over the top the blood and the gore and the violence and like, and and it's just fucking, it feels evil. Like, I don't know the reception of this movie with like, maybe like uber religious people when it came out. Uh, But I'd have to imagine that there was some backlash because watching this, it's like everything I want a horror movie to be. Not every time. I, I guess I take that back. It's like the one time that I get a horror movie. That's everything I want it to be by being over the top just fucking going for it and it just feels fucking evil like it just feels it's like dripping with like evil like like the, the way the deadites are and like just everything about it the necronomicon and like uh again the tapes at the beginning like everything feels so sinister and fucking evil and it doesn't stop at 100 it goes to 150 yeah i just love that and i love if you're gonna do the if you're gonna even go a little bit over the top gore, you might as well fucking go for it and just go way over the top. And again, I think that's why Evil Dead gets away with so many of its uh, flaws is that it's like we're over the top from the beginning. You know, like we know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. We're in control. These flaws aren't because we're screwing up like it. it's it, even though it is, it's hard to argue it because it does seem like they're so in control of their vision. You know, there's more polished movies from even that same year or that time that aren't as good 
as Evil Dead, flaws and all, because Evil Dead, it just has such a voice. I don't know. I just think the the when I watch that movie, I just really appreciate the vision of everyone making that film. They were all bought into the same. They knew what they were doing. They were totally in control. Nothing was by chance. Uh, and it's such a unique addition to horror, uh, even today. You know, I'm, well, now it's a foundational movie, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's just like a bona fide classic and no one can take that away from it. It's just really cool. The eye gouging scene. What about that? Ah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's rad, too. It's great. There's so much gore in this. That's almost <laughs> like an afterthought. It's like, oh, yeah, someone does get their eyes viciously gouged oh, out in oh, this. Yeah. Forgot about that. Yeah. Eye stuff is always uh, rough. Like the, the eye gouging scene in this and also the eye gouging scene in Zombie 2. Those are always mm-hmm. uh, hard ones to watch. Yeah. What was it like Saw 2 or something? One of the traps, a guy had to cut his eye open to get like a key or some shit like that. Yeah, 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 that would be but, insane to be holding a scalpel like, ah! yeah, that's <laughs> unpleasant. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I'd just die. Yeah, I'd be like, damn, you jigsaw. Dude's eye was also like bruised to shit, too. So that has to be like really fucking painful. Yeah, yeah. It was like, guess I'll die. Just jigsaw with no medical experience, putting a key <laughs> in this guy's face like he's someone's got to stop that guy. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I think the practical effects are definitely a big part of what makes this movie special. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're definitely dated and cheesy, but that's part of what uh, makes you love it. And there's a lot of stuff that's just very very gruesome. Um, like the dismemberment stuff, it almost has this like tint of you're seeing something you shouldn't be seeing. You know, the pencil in the ankle. That one honestly hurts more than the eye gouging. It's because I think I think by that point it's just like you're a little bit numb to it, and it's also a little bit more over the top. Yeah, how they go about the eye gouging in this, the uh, pencil in the ankle is a little bit more matter of fact, and that's one like the first big ones of mm. the of the movie. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's, I think that's fair to say. Yeah, like like I've I've seen this movie, I don't even know how many times, more than ten times, but that pencil. Is still always ugh, every time. Austin uh, briefly alluded to the tree. Let's not talk about that one too much. Uh, it's this the reason why this movie got banned in a lot of countries. Sam Raimi got taken to court in Britain. They 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 held him up on insanity charges. They, they were they wanted to throw that man in jail. The cannibal Holocaust treatment. <laughs> he didn't deserve it. Yeah, yeah. that's so he stupid. Did not. Yeah. Like the scene. Don't get me wrong. If you don't like the scene, I understand. But like, yeah, to. To yeah. punish anyone by law for right, something yeah, that's, no, that's... Uh, not against the law is fucking insane. Same with Cannibal Holocaust. Although I do hate that they killed that turtle for real. Yeah, that's some bullshit. They killed a couple of animals on that movie. Yeah, yeah was it a couple? Yeah, maybe it's because I like turtles. Yeah. And, they, and they, I, they wanted this thing to feel like a documentary. And boy, was it convincing because they literally thought he killed the actors. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So let's uh, move on to the next question, uh, the final question, which is um, I want to talk a bit about the Deadites, kind of their portrayal in this film, but also just conceptually in general, because I think that uh, there's something to talk about there because it's not quite a possession movie and it's not quite a zombie movie. It's sort of this interesting in between. Uh, So Mm -hmm. let's let's talk about uh, the Deadites. Joe. Oh, boy. So they kind of uh, I, I love that because this is like a 
possession slash kind of zombie type movie. I kind of like that they blend the two together because based on what you see in this movie, it's like the, the second that you're possessed by a deadite, you're practically dead. There, there's no coming back from that. So it's like they could be classified either as a zombie or a demon. But kind of what I like about the Deadites as far as like the possession angle goes, based on like all of like the other types of possession movies that had come out beforehand, all of the demons in that are just like straight up fucking evil. There's like no uh, wink and nod to it. It's just they, they are here. They are here to spread evil and just cause nothing but death and destruction. The Deadites, on the other hand, I kind of compared them to gremlins a little bit because they're kind of jokesters. They're laughing, they're goofing, but oh yeah, they're going to fucking kill you. Um, yeah. And th- th- that's kind of, it kind of gives them a-, a bit more charm to them. It's like you, you very much enjoy watching the Deadites in that regard, but you also want to see them get dismembered limb from limb because yeah, these fuckers... They cause so much fucking mayhem and they only get goofier and more intense as the series goes on. Mm. Uh, don't even get me started on Army of Darkness. The armies of skeletons Sorry. duting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's my yeah. thoughts on uh, on the Deadites. Uh, yeah, Austin. Uh, I don't have as much to say here. I like that the Deadites change quality between people. Like, Cheryl's was more threatening. Linda's had this sort of off-putting doll quality. Scott kind of looked like a tank. The way that they mess with their voices, I have no idea how you do that analog, but it's still held up. That was really cool. Very, very fun on headphones. Props to everybody for acting while completely blind. Behind-the-scenes footage can be found in documentaries. And Watching those actors and outtakes just being like, what the hell is going on? It's pretty good. Uh, yeah, I believe I read that it was uh, Sam Raimi doing the Deadite voices. Oh, um, and, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Sam don't know how... and uh, Sam and Ted, but yeah. Ted was also like doing double duty as with the Deadites. Yeah, so I don't know the full process of like the voice distortion there, but it, it, it sounded really cool, and they had a lot of the fake Shemps uh, playing the Deadites. Andy, thoughts on Deadites? Um, think. Joe said that they're not quite zombies. They're not quite possessed, which I agree with. It's like a cool new addition. It almost reminds me of like a comedic version of the exorcist as she's possessed, like kind of fucking with you and you don't really know. Um, They're trying to play mind games with you and even like the low tone, like possessed growls and stuff like that. Like, again, I forget who it is, which um, it's one of the girls that Ash is fighting with. And like basically the entire time, oh, he stabs her in the back Mm. with that knife. Basically the entire time she's just letting out this like demonic growl, like the entire fight. And uh, I was watching that this morning at like 10 in the morning. And I was just like, uh, my brother was in the other room. He works from home. And I was like, he's probably just in there. Like, what the fuck is he watching at 10 in the morning? Because it was just like this five minute sequence of demonic growling. Yeah, exactly. And it just doesn't end. But I I honestly love that because going back to what I said before, the whole thing is just like so metal and so evil. And uh, I just love it. I think that it's hard. It's harder now, probably not quite as hard in 81, but still to make an original horror antagonist, especially one that's going to stand the test of time. And I think Sam Raimi really did knock that out of the park with the Deadites because it's again, you know, even today we would describe it as it's kind of like this thing, but not. And it's kind of like this thing, but not. 
I don't know that we've ever really seen an actual recreation mm. of the Deadites uh, in newer horror, which like, I mean, you know, how many hundreds of slashers have just been right. Michael Myers, you know, with a different mask and the same walk, you know, like, I mean, that became a slasher trope. And it's like for this sort of demonic undead movie, I don't know that I've seen any there. there I, I'm sure that there's some lesser known horror movies mm. that are more or less a ripoff because they were so inspired by Evil Dead, but mm. I haven't seen them personally. Yeah, I just think accomplishing that task is, uh, to me, like having tried to write some horror, in my opinion, coming up with a memorable and original antagonist in horror is like 70% mm. of the battle. That's why like A yeah. Quiet Place was so fucking huge. You know, it was the concept, but also a unique creature design. I actually wrote a creature feature at the beginning, end of 20. 20 beginning of 2021 it's the only horror feature length script i've written and i don't even fuck with it anymore because like at the end i just had to be honest with myself and say that my creature isn't unique enough like i didn't have like unique enough characteristics yeah. to set it apart so it's kind of like you know those dozens of creature features that are on streaming sites that aren't the most memorable creature and then a movie like a quiet place comes along and you're like oh shit yeah that's what it's like when there's like a unique creature design with like a a unique vulnerability yeah. also a unique method of attack you know like all those things need to be taken and that's not just creatures that's all horror antagonists you know what's their vulnerability what is their method of attack it's all got to be original what's the look so yeah, in that department, the Deadites have for sure cemented themselves as like what maybe like if not top five in most people's mm. most horror fans top ten of the most memorable antagonists. I totally agree. Um, there, I think I think it's definitely interesting that they were just this sort of unique blend of like possession and uh, undead. There, there's sort of sort of like ghoulish. There's not anything that's quite like it, but I get, I think. I think Dead Alive uh, was definitely inspired heavily by what they were going for with Evil Dead. I haven't seen that. I know it's like a classic. It, it's it's definitely interesting to see how like uh, directors like Peter Jackson and Sam Raimi can make these super grisly horror movies early in their career and then go on to make like Spider-Man and uh, Lord of the Rings. So as a young artist, just mm. like make the movie you want to make don't worry about it being too gory because you might get to make the next avatar or something who knows yeah Ari Aster um, made Shrek the third which is crazy it's true. <laughs> it's true so yeah that's gonna do it for us today thank you for tuning into this podcast if you are listening on the audio platforms go ahead and leave a review it'll help boost us in the algorithms uh, if you are watching on YouTube thank you for watching uh, go ahead and give us a like and give us a subscribe and give us a bell icon if you so choose. Uh, next week, we are talking about Venom. Let there be carnage. Uh, Andy, thank you for coming to the podcast. Uh, mm -hmm. It's always a pleasure having you. Yeah, it's a pleasure coming on. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, and remember, it's important to read a damned book every now and then. Take care. <laughs>